Today's episode is sponsored by Relics of Rajavahara, the puzzly solo adventure game that takes the best aspects of your favorite digital puzzle games and distills them into a tactile 3D tabletop experience. Each floor introduces new challenges and opportunities to take out your arch nemesis, Montalo. Plus, once you finish the campaign, you'll unlock a nearly infinite number of new adventures. The new campaign is now live on Kickstarter, including the base game and a new expansion where you'll have to face Montalo's revenge. So be sure to check out Relics of Rajavahara on Kickstarter right now. And if you're looking for a quality Kickstarter marketing specialist, I recommend the folks over at Next Level Web. They charge flat fees with an easy monthly agreement and they get serious results. Their goal is to get you funded on day one, and their rate of success for that is above 90%, regardless if you're a veteran or a first-time creator. As a client myself, I can personally attest to their quality as they have helped me raise tens of thousands of dollars for my own projects. So if your email list looks pitiful, but your game is awesome, head on over to nextlevelweb.com kickstarter and take your marketing to the next level. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, I've got a word of encouragement for you, a, a podcast that hopefully you can come back to whenever you're having a bad day, having a bad week, having a bad month or 47 playtests in a row or whatever is going on. And you can come listen to this and feel maybe a little bit motivated, inspired, or at least encouraged. I think this is something super important to have is, is just someone that believes in you. And so I, I just want you to know, wherever you are, whoever you are, I believe in you. I think you can do it. I don't I don't exactly know what you're working on right now, but if you're passionate about it and you think it's a cool idea and you think it's interesting and you're excited about it, then I want to I want to be right there alongside you and through this show, hopefully you understand how much I am for you and really just excited for you and and I really want to see your games come to life. I want to see your creativity on display. And so I wanted to put together an episode of some things that I use personally to help me stay motivated with all the 511 projects that I am working on in, in so many different spaces and avenues and industries even. And so I just wanted to create something that you can come listen to whenever you're struggling. And so uh, right off the bat, let, let's talk about something that I get emails quite often, messages quite often from people basically saying, is it worth it? Is, is it, does it really matter? This whole game design thing, you know, being creative and, and working on different things. Does it, does anybody really care? And that is that is a valid question. It's something I run into quite often where I'll be working on a project, whether it's a book or a game or, or whatever. And I'll think, you know, does it, does it matter? Does anybody really care? Are people really listening to this? Are my words worth listening to? Are my words worth reading? Are my games worth playing? And that's a very real struggle that I know a lot of people have. Maybe, maybe all of us have, at least to some degree, especially when you look around at the, the world and you go, okay, there are some definite needs here. There are some serious issues. There are some problems and you don't have to go very far to find them. Now, if you live in the United States, those are different problems than if you live in Europe or if you live in Central America, where I currently reside, you know, Honduras has some different problems. I don't have to go very far at all to find some very serious needs. And a lot, there's a lot of times where I'm like, well, 
this is how my, my brain thinks. Why am I wasting time? That, that, that phrase comes out. Why am I wasting time working on a game or a book or a project or a podcast or whatever when there are so many desperate needs literally right outside my door? That's a valid concern. And it would be noble to go out into the, the area where I live or maybe the area where you live and to, to help people and to see what that looks like and to work with organizations or, or churches or whatever that are doing good things, bringing good into the world. That is a noble thing to pursue, but it's also noble to pursue things that bring joy to people. And so I feel like we need to get away from this dichotomy of, oh, okay, these things help people. Oh, this over here, that's just entertainment. That's a different thing. It's not as valuable in the grand scheme of things because I don't, I don't know that that's true. I, I, honestly, I do. I know, I know that's not true. Entertainment is so important. Providing people a way to escape from the crazy that's going on in their lives, providing a, a way, a method, a means of them to connect with other people to sit down, in our case, sit down at a table and, and have, build relationships with people and laugh and have fun and get away from their electronic devices. Like all these different things, like those are good and noble things. And maybe, yeah, it's not as, as sexy as going out underneath a bridge and helping some homeless folks or going to a developing country and doing some big social good. Okay, I, I know that that looks amazing and it is amazing, but there's nothing wrong with being creative and bringing joy to people's lives. And, and so, yes, what, what you're doing does matter, right? Whether it's a game or a book or a movie or a TV show, like all these things are important. And I saw this quote from Stan Lee uh, recently, and uh, it really hit this home for me. And Stan, the creator of Spider-Man and so many other amazing characters throughout the years through comic books and, and all sorts of different things. This is what he says. I used to be embarrassed because I was a comic book writer while other people were building bridges or going on to medical careers. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. And I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. And I agree. I agree. What we're able to do through creativity and creating experiences and creating fun and joy and laughter and moments for people to connect and things to remember. Hey, you remember that time we were playing that game and you did this and I did that and this really cool combo happened? That's important. It matters. You matter. The work you're doing matters. These things matter. Yeah, there are a lot of problems in the world. Big issues that we need to work on and we need to work together to solve and stop hating each other and, and trying to debate each other on Facebook and all these stupid things that we've been doing over several years. That's more of a waste of time. You want to talk about waste of time is yelling at each other on social media. That is far more of a waste of time than sitting down to create something that will hopefully one day bring joy to people's lives. So maybe that's the thing. That's one thing I've noticed about my own life is like, what, what am I doing? Why am I debating these people about anything on the internet? Like, you want to sit down and have a conversation, go to a meal and let's, let's talk about life. And this is what I believe. And oh, you believe that? Oh, it's interesting. Tell me, help me understand more and tell me a little bit more about your story. And here's mine. And here's my understanding of things, this, that, and the other. Okay. That, that actually might make some real headway, but yelling at each other online, you want to talk about a waste of time. Goodness gracious. And so you probably struggle with this thing of, it doesn't matter. There's a thousand games coming out every year. Some of the best designers in the world are creating games every year. Some of them are just machines. They put out five, seven, eight, nine, ten games a year. My game's probably not as good as theirs. Why would anybody care? Trust me. It matters. You care. Your family cares. Your dog cares. People in the board game design lab community, they care. I get to see people on a daily basis post ideas that are just phenomenal. Not ideas that are going to change the world. Probably not. 
but man, they're cool. Man, they're, they're, anytime you, you get excited, you get passionate, you know, something to kind of get you up out of bed in the morning, you want to go do it, that matters. That's important. And again, you're bringing joy to people's lives. So just hold on to that fact, right? I've done several uh, episodes and, and talked about it so many times on the podcast about friends of mine that games enrich their lives even at their darkest hours. In the worst moments, games brought joy, brought life. And we get to be a part of that. And I think that matters. But a lot of times it's not even us. It's not even our brains that are telling us that. It's other people. It's people around us that maybe know us really well, maybe don't know us at all. But they say, well, couldn't you do something that, that matters more than that? <laughs> so it's not even my own brain. It's, it's other people saying, oh, is that, you make games? Isn't that for kids? <laughs> so I know what happens to a lot of us. And that's natural. Anytime you want to do something that goes against the grain, it goes against the norm. It goes against what society or people in general would say, oh, this, this matters, this is important. Uh, you're going to run into some friction. You're going to run into some roadblocks. You're going to run into people who just don't get it. And that's okay. It's one of those things that not everybody's going to get. And maybe you have an opportunity to sit down, have a real conversation, and share with, with them some things and talk about you know things a little deeper than Monopoly or Scrapple. But if not, that's fine. And I just want to I want to share this story with you, something I, I heard a researcher talking about a while back. He's a biologist over in Africa and he was studying zebras. And I found this, this whole, whole thing fascinating. And one thing about studying zebras, one of the things that makes it really, really difficult is if you're watching some zebras and you're, you're staring at one and you're taking some notes, as soon as you look down at your notebook and maybe write something or you know, draw something, whatever, and then you look back up, it's really difficult to know which zebra you are actually looking at. And that's kind of the point. This is the way that zebras survive. Uh, you can't single any of them out. When you look at a herd, you just see a big old blob of black and white. And it's very, very challenging for you to know which one am I looking at. It's also challenging for the lions to know which one they're looking at. And it helps zebras live a lot longer. Uh, and so the biologist was like, oh, man, this is, this is so challenging. What can we do to make this a little easier to identify which zebra that we're actually studying? And so they thought, whoa, well, we could tranquilize some of them and we can get some red paint and we'll just paint a big red dot or big red X on their backsides. And that way, whenever we're studying them, we can look down, we can leave and come back the next day. We can do whatever and we'll know exactly which ones we're looking at, we're studying, we're taking the, you know, doing the tests on all that kind of thing. So that's what they did. They tranquilized a bunch of these zebras, painted big red uh, blobs, big red splotches on the rear ends and... They felt really good about themselves and they had a great day of being able to know exactly which zebras they were studying. The problem was that not only could they identify those individual zebras, but so could the lions. And it wasn't long before every single one of those zebras that they had painted the red splotch on was eaten. Because as soon as you do anything to separate yourself from the herd, the lions come for you. The lions will come for you. And in the realm of creativity, you have probably felt this before. Oh, why don't you get a real job? Oh, why don't you actually try to do something for real? You ever heard that? I've heard that. Lions, they, they come for you. They try to eat you. And so just remember that. Just know that going in. If this is a life you're going to pursue, a life of creativity, and not even necessarily as a full-time job or full-time thing or become a publisher or whatever, even if this is, even if this is just the way you spend your free time, your hobby time, whatever, the lions will notice because you're putting a big red splotch 
on yourself. And they'll come for you. And they'll have some potentially pretty nasty things to say, or at least just ignorant things. things Because they just don't understand. They don't get it. Why are you going against the grain? Why don't you go do something more important, they might say. So I just want to warn you. I just want you to know that going in. And uh, embrace that, honestly. Because when the lions are coming for you, that's a sign. That's a sign that you're doing something different. You're doing something against the grain, against the, against the norm. And pretty much everyone who's creative and tries to live a creative lifestyle, that's what they experience. And so this is a nice indicator that that's the life you're living. So if that's the life you want to live, hey, it's some uh, good evidence that you're traveling down the right path. So keep going. And try to surround yourself with people who are maybe lions when it comes to your ideas, who say, hmm, I don't think that's any good. Like people you can surround yourself with that are, that are trustworthy and who love you and care about you and will say that out of love, but who are also lions in that they are going to fight for you. Different kind of lions, I guess. Surround yourself with a different kind of lion. People that know you, they understand, they get it, they're for you, they're on your team, they're behind you, they're encouraging, but they're not just going along with any, any old thing. You know, they're actually weighing your ideas, weighing your path and saying, hey, this is really good. Oh, this over here, you might want to watch out. Oh, this over here, you might want to figure some things out with your, your time or your schedule or the way you know, you're dealing with different aspects of your life or handling your family time or handling your job or handling your mental health, whatever. You want to have people in your life that you can trust, that you can collaborate with. And maybe they're gamers, maybe they're not. But people that know you and they know what you're trying to accomplish and can maybe see things differently, come into... Uh, to look at your ideas and see things maybe with, with different eyes, from different angles. I'm reminded of the story from one of the Indiana Jones movies. And this is the scene uh, out in the desert when Indy is running through the city and he's trying to get away from people and they're, they're chasing him, they're trying to get him, they're trying to kill him. And he runs into this moment where this pretty beefy guy with this big sword, you know, giant knife kind of thing is like, hey, I'm going to get you. You know, it's this like fight scene. And in the original script, that scene was supposed to actually be a fight scene. It was supposed to be Indiana Jones with his whip versus this other guy with this big knife and they were going to duke it out and Indy was going to eventually win the day and then keep moving on you know, through the city. Uh, but at the time, in real life, Harrison Ford, who the actor that played Indiana Jones, he was struggling. He was super, super sick. He had dysentery. Uh, he felt awful and just, I mean, he was having a, a rough go at it out there. I can't remember where they were over in the, uh, the Middle East, maybe Egypt. And Harrison Ford was not looking forward to this fight scene. He's like, I don't feel good. I feel awful. And so he was talking to Steven Spielberg about the scene that they were right about to shoot. I mean, literally day of about to shoot the scene, if I remember right. And Harrison was talking to Steven Spielberg, the director, and he said, you know, I've got a gun. Couldn't I just shoot him? <laughs> That's not what the script called for. The script called for a fight scene. Use your whip. Do some cool stuff. Duke it out. But Steven Spielberg, he, he thought about it and he's like, well, you know, that actually uh, actually makes sense. You do have a gun. Why wouldn't you just shoot him? And that's what the scene became. And so one of the most iconic scenes in film history, definitely in you know this genre of movies, a scene that audience literally came up out of their chairs for when it happened. When Indiana Jones is standing there and looking at the guy, he's looking at him back and forth, back and forth, and he just pulls out the gun, he shoots him, and he just like, <laughs> and keeps going. What an amazing, iconic scene. All happened because of collaboration and because the person in charge the person that was literally directing the whole show, the whole movie, listened to somebody that saw it with fresh eyes. And yeah, maybe they were seeing it with fresh eyes because of the little uh, bowel uh, situation. But no matter, either way, willing to change, willing to listen to somebody else who had a stake in the whole project. 
And so I think, I think it's definitely something to be learned there. Surround yourself with people who want to collaborate, who can see things differently, who come into things with different eyes, different angles. And listen, maybe they got a terrible idea. Could be. Maybe they have a great idea. Could be. And I've also found that collaboration is just a great way to stay motivated. You know, have people in your life that will push you forward. Motivation is such a difficult thing. And there's a million videos on YouTube and podcasts and all sorts of books. And I mean, it's a billion dollar industry of, of motivation. But one thing I have found personally is that 99% of the time, motivation comes after I begin. The motivation comes after I start on whatever I'm doing. If I can just get to the gym, if I can just walk in the weight room, I get a little more motivated than I was sitting at home. If I can just get there, if I can just sit down and type out a sentence or two, ah, okay, now the motivation starts flowing. Now I'll start feeling it. All right, let's write a paragraph. Let's write some pages. Let's keep going. If I can just sit down with my scissors and some cards that need to be cut out or some tokens or whatever, if I can just start, if I can just start cutting things out, all of a sudden I'll have a whole game prototype before I know it. And so if you can just start, just begin, the motivation typically flows after that. Now, every now and then you'll get some inspiration, you'll get some motivation, you'll have something you're super excited about and you just can't wait to get it going and all that. Yeah, it happens. But for the most part, at least my own personal experience, I have to get going first. Then the motivation comes. So then the real question is, how do I start? How do I get going? How do I grease the tracks so that it's easier to get going down, down this path? You know, objects at rest want to stay at rest. Well, objects in motion want to stay in motion. So how do I get in motion? A lot of times it comes from simplifying your life. Anybody can make something more complex. It's really challenging to make things to make things simpler. So how do you do that? What do you need to get rid of? I got rid of a lot of social media stuff. Deleted it off my phone. I do my best to keep my work area, to keep my areas, the areas around my house organized, clean. Because that's something that bothers me. When I walk by something and it's disorganized, it sticks out. It takes up some of my brain cycles. All right, so I need to keep things organized. That way I don't have anything distracting me. I don't have anything pulling me back. I need to make sure that my sleeping habits are good. Because when I'm tired, I'm useless. All right, how do I get enough sleep? When I don't eat well and I feel bad, I'm useless when it comes to creativity. Okay, what do I need to do to eat right? And it, it's going to be different for everybody, but you're just identifying those things and figuring out, okay, how do I set myself up for success? And then lean into those things. Dial on those hills. Do everything you can to protect those things. To make it easy to start. And then you start, and then you can finish. What does it look like every day to move something forward? Even if it's just a little bit. Even if it's just a sentence. Just cutting out some cards. Just working on a game idea. Just sitting down to write something. Just going to the gym for five minutes. If that's the goal. Whatever it takes. Whatever it is. Figuring out how do you begin. Because everything flows after that. You know, a lot of times we, we see people online. We see stuff that other people are doing. A lot of times people that live in totally different places have totally different situations. And we compare ourselves. And that's another thing that just kills motivation. It kills our desire to keep going because we look at somebody else and what they're doing and it's way better than us and way better than anything we could ever do. And it's like, well, what's the point? It's dangerous. One thing to remember is that comparison is the thief of joy. If you want to steal your joy real quick, just compare yourself to somebody else. Get on Facebook, get on Twitter, get on Instagram. Just start looking for other people that are better than you. It will not take long to find somebody that has more money, more talent, more ability, more opportunity, more time, more nice clothes, whatever. It's not hard to find. And it will steal your joy in a heartbeat. You could be in the best situation in the world in comparison will steal that. 
It'll steal that joy immediately. So don't compare. I mean, the race is with yourself. You're not racing against anybody else. It's just between you and the person you were yesterday, a month ago, a year ago, whatever. That's who this race is against. Can you be better than yourself from the past? Can I be better tomorrow than I am today? And what does that look like? How do I get 1% better? That's really what this is about. Not worrying about somebody else's numbers, their follower count, their their signed games. Like, none of that. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, who cares? It's not about that. It's about what can you bring to the world. Not what somebody else brought to the world. It's all opinion-based anyway. This is all perception. Go to the Amazon pages of any of the best books of all time. You will find one-star reviews. Go to Board Game Geek and look at the greatest games of all time, and you will find one-star reviews. It's the way it is. It doesn't matter. Play your game. Create what you're creating. Work on the things that are in front of you. And do that to the best of your ability and hang your hat on it. If it's the best you got, it's good enough. It's good enough. Now, if it's not the best you got, okay, we got some work to do. And you know it, you know when it is and when it isn't. And again, it's another opportunity to have people around you to collaborate and help push you forward, push you to be the best you can be. But that's enough. You are enough. The things you're working on, they're enough. If they're the best you have right now, it's enough. It's good enough. It might not be good. I know starting off design way back when, when I was working on stuff, like my good enough was not very good. It was the best I had, and it was good enough at the time, but it was not very good because I still had a lot to learn. I had a lot of ways to grow and things to figure out and, and things to you know, understand better and, and work to be done, experiences to be had. But it was good enough at the time. There's no sense in just beating myself up over something. Do the best you can. Learn, grow, keep going. Iterate, repeat. Iterate, repeat. Keep going. And eventually, you start putting out some pretty good stuff. You keep doing it enough, keep getting more experience, keep learning and growing. Eventually, you start pronouncing pretty great stuff. It takes time. It's a process. Embrace the process. In Navy SEALs, they say embrace the suck. <laughs> embrace the worst parts. Because if you can embrace the worst parts, the hard parts, the, the parts that really, really suck and are terrible, oh, everything else gets easy. Embrace the bad playtest sessions. Embrace the writer's block, the, the designer's block. Embrace the putting things out into the world and nobody seeming to care. Embrace that. Roll with it. Yes, and. Yeah, it's not very good, and I'm going to get better. And just keep going. That's, that's I guess, the, the, the heart of this. Keep going. Keep going. It's going to be great. Embrace the good things that are going on. Don't just focus on the negative. A lot of times that's what we do. We'll have one bad thing amongst 20 good things, and we'll focus on the one bad. We'll have one negative comment uh, amongst 100 positive, encouraging comments, and we'll focus on the one negative. That's just how we are as humans. It's how our brains work. Once you know that, once you identify that, you can focus on the other side. Keep going. Another thing is to realize that most of what people put out online isn't even real. At least not completely real. You know, maybe a half-truth. Part true. It's definitely the case when it comes to, like, follower accounts. This is something I saw recently. It blew my mind, but I wasn't terribly surprised. And it was this study that looked into follower counts for celebrities and athletes and different people of note. You know, people that have um, done cool things in the world or, or bring a lot of joy to people. And... This, uh, this study, it looked into people's followers and how many of those followers were actually real accounts versus just bots. <laughs> and so they looked at Instagram and Twitter, but Twitter really struck me as just phenomenal. So I'm going to read through some of these, uh, some of these names, some of these celebrities, these different people, and, uh, and tell you the percentage 
of followers on Twitter that aren't even real humans, that are just robots, just bots created or, or lines of code created to, you know, for whatever reason, probably not the greatest reasons, but anyway, Bill Gates. All right, Bill Gates has 54 million followers on Twitter, 54 million. Did you know that 54% of those followers aren't even real? Over half, half his followers, 29 million plus followers are fake. Huh, Kim Kardashian, 48% of her followers, fake. Cristiano Ronaldo, 48%, fake. Taylor Swift, 46%, fake. Ariana Grande, 45%, fake. Selena Gomez, 44%, fake. Neymar, soccer player, 44%, fake. Rihanna, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, Bieber, Shakira, Jimmy Fallon, Elon Musk, LeBron James, all of those people, 40% or more. That's on the that's the low estimate. 40% or more of their followers are fake accounts. So when you go and you look at somebody who seems to be crushing it, seems to be killing it, maybe, maybe, hopefully they are. Hopefully that's all true. Hopefully it's all, you know, 100%. Probably not. Probably not. And again, comparison is the thief of joy. And how, how much worse is it to have your joy stolen by a comparison that's not even true? By a comparison that is literally fake, built on fake. So don't worry about it. Play your game. Do what you can do. Be the best you that you can possibly be, and that's enough. Hang your hat on that life. And remember that all of us have a limited time. I saw a video recently as uh, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, which uh, he's one of my favorite guys to listen to online. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, he's excellent when it comes to business and motivation and, and just trying to get out there and, and make a make an impact, you know, do some do some cool things. He's not for the faint of heart when it comes to how he talks. If you're not into uh, to cuss words or anything like that, I don't recommend him. He talks a mile a minute and he cusses every half mile. And so just be aware of that going in. But um, he's got some really good advice there at the, the core of a lot of his rants. And one day I saw this video and this, this lady walked up to him and said, Gary, real quick, three words to help me get encouraged, get motivated on days when I'm really struggling. He said, three words? Hmm, three words. All right, here, here's your three words. You're going to die. <laughs> and the lady stopped at first. She's like, what? He said, you're going to die. And she said, huh, so make good on the time while I'm here. He said, exactly. And that's it. You're going to die. I mean, if you don't have anything else to motivate you, realize that you won't get to relive today. Unless you've got some weird Groundhog Day kind of thing going on that nobody else knows about, this is it. Today is the only day that's going to be today. <laughs> so what can you do to move some things forward, to get a little bit better, to keep going, have some fun, make something, create some things, bring some people together? Because your time is limited. Make good on the time that you're here. You know, it reminds me of the, the quote I read a while back, and it said, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but they were laying bricks every hour. They were laying bricks every hour hour. And that's it. That's it. What does it look like to lay bricks every hour? How do you do that? What does it look like for you in your life? And what does it look like to stop wasting so much time, especially so much time on things that you just don't even care about that, that you hate? I mean, it is so saddening how many people work jobs that they hate just to be able to buy stuff they don't need to impress people they don't even like. And then to make it worse, a lot of those folks go into a tremendous amount of debt in the process. It's crazy. Now, I'm not saying quit your job today and, and go be a board game designer or go be a creative person and, and hope for the best. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I mean, maybe it depends on your situation. But just think about how much time you spend doing things you hate on a daily basis. Now, some things you got to do just because you got to do them. I mean, I don't enjoy paying taxes, but it is what it is. 
So that's part of it. It's just some things you got to do and you hate it and, oh, well, embrace the suck. But how many things are you doing on a daily basis that you don't care about, that you don't like, that you could be doing something else? Spending time in traffic, spending time working towards things that, that don't matter. How do you change that? What does it look like to take an assessment of your life and your time? Because again, you're going to die. <laughs> Short time here and a long time dead. So what does it look like for you to be honest with yourself, be honest with your family, honest with your friends, honest with the people around you and say, okay, this life that I'm living right now is not working for me. And so I'm going to start doing some things to move towards the life that I really want. And now for everybody, for every person is going to be a little different. The life you want versus the life I want versus the life everybody else wants. I mean, it's, it's going to be different. But what does it look like for the life that you want to chase after that, to pursue that today? Not when you retire, not, you know, when this or that happens, but like, what does it look like? Now, maybe it means you need to make some changes. Sell the house, sell the car, sell the game collection. I don't know. But maybe it takes some sacrifice to start traveling down that road. Are you willing to make the sacrifice? And if not, why not? What's holding you back? Is it the lions? What they might say? How they might try to eat you? Okay. Fair enough. How we start working through that? What can you do today to start living the life that you really want to live? Make a plan. Figure it out. Make some timelines. Set some goals. Start changing some habits. Getting more sleep. Eating a little better. Spending more time doing the things that really, truly matter to you. Taking care of the people in front of you. And you might think, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have it in me. You do. You do. You do. You do. You just got to figure it out. And your situation might be harder to figure out than somebody else's. Doesn't matter. Not about them. You let them play their game, you play yours. We are what we repeatedly do. So how can you start repeatedly doing some things that matter to help create the life that you want to live? Pretty much everybody wishes they had started sooner. Almost nobody wishes they had started later. <laughs> it's one of those things. You know, a lot, a lot of times we spend so much time trying to learn and figure it out. And then eventually, you know, one day we're going to do it, right? One day far off in the distance, we're actually going to start doing the thing. But today, you know, I need to read. I need to listen. I need to do these things. And then then eventually I'll get to a point where I, I'm, I'm good enough or I understand enough. And then I get it. No, just start. Just do. You will learn more by doing than anything else. So just start and then go from there. And you're going to fail. That's good. Failure can be a good thing. As long as it's not like a catastrophic failure that you, you lose your house or your, your family or your life or something like that. Like don't do anything crazy. But, you know, we're talking about creativity. We're not talking about crazy stuff. And so just, just start. Just go for it. The truth is doubt kills way more dreams than failure ever will. So just go. Just do it. And even if it doesn't work out, at least you'll be able to say, oh, well, instead of what if. Goodness gracious, I hate that. I hate that phrase. What if? What if? What if? Uh, no, 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 thank you. I do not want to look back on my life whenever whenever my last day is. Could be today, could be tomorrow, could be 50 years from now. Who knows? But the last thing I want to do is look back on my life and say, what if? And so I've got a lot of things in my life, a lot of trials and, and things I've gone through that didn't work out, that failed, and things that were set up so beautifully, and I worked hard, and I earned it, and I did enough, and it, and it should have been good enough, and it just wasn't. And I'll say, oh, well but at least I don't have to say what if. And there's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with preparing and, and kind of learning, growing, figuring things out. Don't, don't mishear me on that. But one thing I read a while back, a guy said, planning and preparation are useful until they become a form of procrastination. So is this task enhancing my actions or substituting for them? 
don't let planning and learning and growing and uh, preparing and all these things become just a form of waiting, a form of procrastination because you're afraid, because you're unsure, because you don't know what's going to happen. Just be honest about that and figure out what it takes to move forward and actually start doing the things that matter and realize that your current attention is your future self. The things that you're putting your attention on, your focus on, that is going to create who you are tomorrow. And so what are you looking at? What are you focused on? Where is your attention right now? And how can you start adjusting it so that you become the person you really want to be tomorrow? But it starts today. You know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time is now. So what does that look like for you? So anyway, thanks for listening. Hopefully this is an episode that you'll find encouraging, that you'll find uh, helpful, especially on those days where, where things aren't going so well. And uh, maybe this is something you can come back to in the future and listen to whenever whenever you have a rough day, whenever you just need somebody to, uh, to talk to you and uh, believe in you, because I do. I think you're pretty cool. I think you're awesome. And I'm excited to see where you go from here. I'm excited to see what kind of cool stuff you bring to life and put out into the world. So let's go do it. Let's go figure it out and let's go do it. So again, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the BGDL community. Good luck with your games. Good luck with your life and good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting? <laughs>